What's up, Doc? Good morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Greetings and salutations. Hello, Poppy. Hello there. Kindly ho, neighborinos! You are cleared to land on Ducky Bay 77, a podcast about movies, music, TV, and anything else these guys can think to talk about. Hello and welcome to Docking Bay 77. I am your host, Dayton Johnson, and joining me on this special episode is Andrew Blakely. How are you doing, Andrew? Fantastic. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Also, uh, filmmaker David Burns. How are you, David? I'm wonderful. Happy to be here. All right. And uh, Scott Hoffman, the one with the hair, he's joining yes, us. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the... One with the uh, the Whoville hair going on right now. So he looks if great. If only you could see it. I know. It'd be wonderful. I'm going to take a screenshot and put it in the show notes. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so thank you guys for joining me. I appreciate it. So uh, for this uh, special episode, we're going to visit a couple of TV specials from the sixties. We are going to talk about Dr. Seuss's how the Grinch stole Christmas and pit it against Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer. All right, so uh, before we get into uh, the compare and contrast part of the episode, um, Scott has prepared a little bit of history on the Grinch. So what do you got for us? Yeah, it was interesting to kind of dig into this. I found out a lot of things that I had no idea of uh, before kind of digging in. But So starting with the, the book itself, uh, published by Random House in 1957, um, the Grinch actually appeared two years before in a poem in Red Book. Uh, I thought this was the one and only, but apparently that's where it, where it all began. But um, it was inspired by uh, Seuss himself, who was feeling very Grinchish when he was looking in the mirror one day, as I'm sure that people with anti-gravity hair can relate. (laughs) Um, But, you know, his wife was having a lot of health problems and a lot of health struggles. And he was seeing all the commercialization of the holiday. And it was kind of putting him in that mood and wanted to write about the over-commercialization of it and trying to find that deeper meaning. Um, his stepdaughter is quoted as saying that uh, he was Ted was the cat on good days and the Grinch <laughs> on bad days. And I can certainly relate. Hmm. Um, but so it was interesting that, you know, he, he wrote that in 57, it had a lot of success. It was after cat in the hat and Horton Hears a who um, it's not the first uh, kind of foray with Seuss into uh, animation. Uh, his first feature, Gerald McBoing Boing, right. uh, which I really want to watch, <laughs> uh, won an Oscar for Best Animated Short in 1950. Mm. Wow. So in the world of animation, uh, you've got Chuck Jones, who's defining contemporary animation, uh, working at several studios. Uh, Warner Brothers, obviously, who is mammoth uh, from 33 to 62, helping to create Bugs Bunny, Michigan J. Frog. Uh, but also his own creations like Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner, among right. several others. A lot of my um, favorites. Absolutely. Him and Michael Maltese. I, right? Anytime I see their names in the credits, I know I'm in for a good ride. <laughs> uh, so in, in 63, he went on to uh, MGM Studios to work on Tom and Jerry cartoons, a lot of the classics. Um, yeah. Won several Academy Awards, including um, The Dot and the Line. Have you oh, ever okay. seen that? Yeah, I actually uh, have. 
a romance in lower mathematics. It's amazing. <laughs> 65. Uh, so as his run on Tom and Jerry began and in MGM, he pursued the chance to work with Dr. Seuss again by producing and directing the Grinch. So they had worked together in world war two mm. doing some, um, Warner Brothers cartoons for uh, the armed forces called Private Snafu. It was all about, you know, measles and rumors and things like this. So when he was, a, when Dr. Seuss was approached by uh, the studio to do an animated special, he did it because he knew that Jones was involved. Okay. Well, good. A great bit of kind of backstory into that. Um, took 14 months to produce 15,000 individual hand-drawn animation cells. Wow. Um, wow. He based the the facial modeling of the Grinch on Boris Karloff, who is the wow. obviously Frankenstein famous universal right. monster, right. Uh, was the speaking voice of the Grinch. And then the singing voice was Thurl Ravenscroft, uh, one of my personal favorites because of Haunted Mansion and Pirates right. of the Caribbean and all those booming voices you would yes. hear. Obviously the voice of Tony the Tiger, uh, but he just had that great kind of gravitas that he kind of brought to it. Um, so with all this uh, great kind of uh, creative minds together, CBS uh, wanted to do it uh, after the success of a Charlie Brown Christmas in 65 and two years after the success of Rudolph in 64. Um, it was originally sponsored by the foundation for the full service banks, which is kind of interesting <laughs> <laughs> given that it's against commercialism. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but since it's uh, premiered in 66, it's been played every year since. See, the idea that it was written because he was kind of getting fed up with the commercialization of Christmas, I can't even imagine what he would think now. Oh, I gosh. Mean, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, he, I just, yeah. If it was, if he thought it was bad then, oh, my. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. that's So, basically, if Chuck Jones wouldn't have been a part of it, we would probably never would have gotten it. Most likely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you can, it, it comes through in that style that he applies to it. It's still very Seuss, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, but you can tell the, the drawing style is, is slightly different, but it, it really kind of brought this around. Awesome. Unmistakable. All right. Well, thank you, Scott. That was actually very interesting. I did a little reading, but I missed some, uh, quite a bit of that. So awesome. Thank <laughs> you. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Your heart's an empty hole Your brain is full of spiders You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole All right, so let's get into some discussions about uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas. Um, It's been kind of a staple of my childhood as well as probably for most of us. Yep. Uh, and I know, uh, David's mentioned both of you, uh, you and Scott have mentioned how the Grinch kind of freaked you guys out. Um, yep. <laughs> and, and you start to wonder, is it a Halloween movie or Christmas movie, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, um, 
do you remember what it was like to, I mean, obviously we were little kids, uh, apart from it scaring you, was it one of those that you look forward to every year, you know, before we were actually able to buy it? Was it, cause I know I always look forward to Rudolph. I always look forward to, um, you know, uh, Santa Claus is coming town and all those. So, uh, was it a big one for you? Was it like, Oh, when's the Grinch on? When's the Grinch on? I know for me, um, yeah, it definitely was part of the, the group of holiday movies that I would always watch every year. Uh, it definitely would, it would be up there. Like he obviously scared me when I was really, really little, <laughs> but uh, once you get the catchy song and stuff like that, it goes with it that, you know, it, yeah, I never missed it. Right. Yeah. Well, and in the, um, and the animation going back to that, I mean, this was, Back when you didn't have it on VHS or DVD or anything else like that, you only get to see it once a year. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and uh, the Warner Brothers cartoons, all the Chuck Jones animation was a staple in my house with the Tom and Jerry, with Bugs Bunny, and also the kind of stuff in the Saturday morning cartoons. So it was like this present to unwrap every year. Nice. Uh, so yeah, always look forward to it. How about you, Andrew? Yeah, it's it's been a classic uh, staple in my household. I. I will admit I married somebody who prefers the Jim Carrey Grinch. Oh, I, I know, I know it's, it's hard to process, but I always make sure after we've, after I've sat through that one to pull that out, I've got it on DVD. I think I even have my old VHS copy of it. Wow. Always, you're you're a better man than I. I don't think I could have put that ring on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting to see how, uh, with home video and owning DVDs and, you know, even with streaming, how um, it's changed so much on the anticipation of these kind of specials. Um, mm-hmm. Cause as soon as like, you know, in my house, Christmas music can start like right after Halloween. So we've already been watching Christmas movies, you know, pretty much within a week after uh, Thanksgiving. So yeah. when you, we were kid, well, you were a kid, you had to wait, you know, it was like, right. you had to make sure you were home on time and everything else. And, right. Absolutely. And, it, and we mentioned this on another podcast, you, you me, and uh, Scott, uh, when we talked about, you know, we worked at Suncoast. Right. Uh, so I cannot believe how many copies of the Grinch that we would sell every oh, year. I know, right? I got to the point, I'm like, does not everyone on earth own this movie by now? <laughs> it would always sell out. Yep. Well, you got well, to get it on the, exactly. You've got to get it on the new, like, oh, it's on DVD. Well, now we've got a DVD play in the car. We've got to have Grinch. And right. The cycle yeah, right. continues. Yep. So Andrew, what um what are some of the things you like about this? What resonates with you with the Grinch? Um, I I think a lot of good Christmas stories have that element of you know somebody learning the the true meaning of Christmas or the spirit of it or whatever, and all of them are doing their best to either emulate Scrooge or the Grinch. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. so this version, his his animation captures that so succinctly i mean it's only what 15 minutes runtime if that yeah it's barely i think it's from uh, around 20 but part of that's uh, you know credits <laughs> yeah and w- within that it, it's it captures like the feeling and the whole character arc so perfectly you don't need mm-hmm. it more and I, that's what i love about it is it's, it's fun it's really easy and ex- accessible to kids but it's also really well told story in a very short amount of time yep right right what about you scott what do you like about it yeah i mean um it's it's a it's a tie between the message and the animation and uh, yeah Andrew you bring up a great point like the the story itself is a lot shorter than what the special is like if they just read the story it wouldn't take as long but they had other elements kind of added into it like showing him kind of slinking through the houses <laughs> showing him and uh, Max kind of barreling down the hill and Max <laughs> kind of like trying his best to. <laughs> 
to make this guy happy like any dog does. Um, poor Max. Poor Max. Exactly. Oh, but I, all those things added into it kind of made this story so much more. You mm-hmm. get so much more right. depth out of it. And the uh, the emotion that that uh, Chuck Jones was able to bring out, like when he kind of like has that emotional turn, mm-hmm. the the little subtleties in the animation just bring all that that forward. So yep. for me, gotcha. it's a it's a total Chuck Jones ride. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, David, I have a different question for you. Is there anything in this brief? Because I know it's it, it's it's one of your favorites because you mentioned that in the in an earlier mm-hmm. episode. Yep. Um, is there anything about it you don't like? Anything you wish would go away or doesn't really work. That's a tough one because Andrew nailed it when he said it was, it's it's such a short film, but it speaks volume. Um, There's no fat in this cartoon at all. No, That's true. And um, so it's really tough to to really pick anything apart. And I really don't want to say this, but I will Um, because, you know, the animation and stuff like that back then, obviously, you know, it's all hand drawn. They don't have the computers that we have today, uh, you know, but there was obviously some usage of the animation two or three times throughout the cartoon. Well, yeah. yeah. They, they duplicated yep. it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's like the only thing I'm going to pick on really. And, and I understand why they did it cost, you know, it's quicker to get, get it done. You do right. stuff like that. That's, that's my only really nitpick of it. That's it. I, okay. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, I was going to bring up the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think like, what are the bad things? But yeah, I mean, like it does show that like he was doing this at several houses in several different ways, but mm-hmm. There could have been some other little bits, but I'm sure that somewhere they would say, then you animate it. We yeah. did like 15,000 drawings. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I watched right. this with my nephew the other night because I wanted to watch it again. I watch it every Christmas. And, uh, you know, I know he had seen it, but he's never really sat down to watch it like with someone who like loves this kind of stuff. <laughs> so and he actually made that comment and it made me think of it. He goes, we just saw that. We just saw that. I'm like, calm yeah. down, man. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, in their defense, even there for a while uh, through the late 60s and early 70s, even Walt Disney, uh, Disney animation was like reusing mm-hmm. almost shot for mm-hmm. shot, uh, like from Robin Hood to the Aristocats. Like, you know, it was almost like they just kind of, oh, we're just going to redraw over the characters. So, and I mean, let's be honest, in Scooby-Doo, I mean, they ran past the same door 150 times. So, <laughs> right. So, oh, yeah. 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 so it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll forgive that one. Yeah. Um, now, uh, David, you have a favorite character. I know there's not a lot to pick from, but there isn't. There isn't. But, but do you have a? It was one that is there. Is there a standout? I love Max. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I'm going to agree with you on that one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That, that actually is something that stood out to me recently. Um, I watched. There's been a new remake. I think the last couple of years uh, where Benedict Cumberbatch voiced the Grinch, mm-hmm. and there's something that I mean, it, it was fine. I, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it, but. Uh, in that his relationship with Max is wildly different than in previous iterations. And he's actually like really kind and loving to Max while he hates everyone else. <laughs> and I found that that's like a different, uh, I think it says something different about our culture that right. you can't have an endearing character. That's mean to his dog. Now it just, you can't, if yeah. somebody's <laughs> mean to dog, they're irredeemable. They can die. I don't care. And that's, I think changed a lot because now when I go back and watch that and he's so mean and cruel to Max, I'm actually just like, screw this dude. I don't care if he. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that's, that's actually interesting. You brought that up. Cause I know the three, the other three of us have not seen the new one. Um, I'm curious about it, but my real question to you, Andrew, is it better than the Jim Carrey one? I would say it's better than the Jim Carrey one, but okay, good. in my opinion, that's a low bar to clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it is. Absolutely. It is. All right. Uh, so, uh, Andrew, do you have a favorite scene? 
Um, that's a tough one, but I would have to say it's uh, when he's convincing Cindy Lou Who that he's Santa. Um, <laughs> first off, because he does such an absolutely terrible job at it, but also <laughs> um, it, the, the character in his voice is so overly sweet and saccharine, but also like evil and, mm-hmm. right. and uh, obviously, you know, he, he's a legend of voice acting. So he was able to balance that really, really well. And it's like, he just, I feel dirty watching it almost. <laughs> it, it's pure evil. And I love it. <laughs> All right. You Scott, you have a favorite scene. Um, my favorite full scene. Well, my, my favorite little tiny vignette is when he gets the terrible idea. <laughs> and he goes from just the flat face and then every single part of his face animates with the curling lips and yeah. the, the yeah. hair that goes out and all that stuff. But um, I'd have to say the sleigh ride with Max okay. um, is fantastic because it has so many uh, Jones isms with the mm-hmm. little like when he mm-hmm. kind of pans to the camera and his hat kind of falls just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all that all that kind of stuff was was extra pepper. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I really enjoy when he's slinking around the different houses, packing up all their Christmas stuff. I, I don't know why I like it so much, but I just, way it's put together, I guess it was entertaining, but mm-hmm. it's, I think I have to agree with you pretty much any scene that really kind of almost features max kind of wins my heart, you know, even yep. though, even though he's in all the horrible scenes too, you know, <laughs> but uh, it's, 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 it's a fun show. And I, like I said, I watch it every year. And uh, so, um, but Scott, do you have a favorite character? Uh, I'm going to have to say Max. Yeah. He's, he's such a good dog. I mean, he like <laughs> the emotion in his face, he's always got that kind of like his, uh, his pupils are at the top, but he's got so much like droopy eye at the bottom and he's yep. just pleading like, I'm trying, come yep. on. Right. And he's right. got to put up with the Grinch, like 300, the others, 364 <laughs> days of the year when he's like, I hate Thanksgiving too. Like, right. So yeah, he, he just does a, a great job in this one. Uh, and all the, all the struggles behind the scene that he has of like trying to catch the sleigh and trying to do all these things. He just, mm-hmm. he's such a good dog. Like, and we actually- what, how well, we actually have a plus. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because as, as like you even said, uh, Andrew brought up, it's like, if, you know, if you're mean to your dog, we don't care, yep. you know, if it works out for it, but yeah, it's, it's, you kind of, you really feel for max, which is why over there with our other decorations, we actually have a plush max, you know, you know, decorating our house, because as far as I'm concerned, he is the star of this nice. short, <laughs> short. <movie. laughs> absolutely. So. I, I have spent years trying to find a, a little antler hat that I can put on my dog. <laughs> he, he, he hates hats and he won't tolerate it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Right. Right. Okay. Have, have, have you tried staples? <laughs> <laughs> We're not nice. talking about that Where? movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great line. It's a great line. <laughs> don't you dare. Okay, wait a minute. We can get off on a tangent. Let's not do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As I just watched that a couple of weeks ago, so it's fresh in my head. So, all right. Um, any other general discussion you want to make about the Grinch before we move on to uh our next segment? Any last words before we get to the, you know. I, I kind of wanted to touch on what you were saying about the remakes. Uh I I think they're gonna keep doing it forever the same way they do with uh uh, a Christmas Carol. It's a mm-hmm. good concept. That you can keep taking you know, different turns and twists on it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the original is always going to be the best. Or with the Christmas Carol, I, I'm a firm believer the Muppet version is the best. But <laughs> you're going to keep trying, yes. right? Yeah. Right. Well, and I, I agree. I think you know I've seen some of the other animated Doctor Seuss 
movies. And I think they're legitimately good when you have animation as a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the live action is a, kind of a, it feels like it's kind of a, um, an artifact of that time period with right. all the frantic, like, I can't watch the, the move, the camera movement without just getting nauseous. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it feels like it's his stories are made to be animated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as long as they stay in that world, I think it's I think it's going to be fine. Yeah, but, I can yeah. admit i i don't I don't enjoy the live action Doctor Seuss movies. Um, yeah, they're they are hard to watch. But uh, I mean, Horton hears a who, and you know, they're when you're right. His stuff is the way it was drawn and the stories. They just work better in an animated world. I don't think you mm-hmm. can capture that. Um, doesn't matter how many talented actors you have, all the makeup and whatever else in the, you know, the art direction, it's, it's not going to be the same. So I I, I agree with you. Well, and you can clearly see looking at the, um, you know, if you look at the source material, the uh, Dr. Seuss books, the computer animated versions seem to be emulating the Grinch stole Christmas uh, more than they're emulating the actual Dr. Seuss artwork. Okay. It's just interesting to see how much that has a kind of a continuing influence that it's synonymous with uh, Dr. Seuss work. Huh. Good point. All right. Well, we're going to kind of move on here. We're going to move on to a brief discussion about a couple of people that brought us a lot of our, uh, our Christmas mm-hmm. specials during this time. So Andrew has prepared some information on Rankin and Bass. Yeah, this was actually a, a weird thing for me to do because I, I, Rankin and Bass had already, you know, hit its heyday and closed its doors before I was even born. So it's always just been part of the world. Right. So to sort of read about it and realize these are real human beings with real studios sort of <laughs> took away some of the magic for me. Uh, but Arthur Rankin and Jules Bass uh, founded the company in New York City. Um, Arthur Rankin already had his own production company, uh, but they joined forces uh, in 1960. At the time, it was called Videocraft International Limited which I think we can all agree is a terrible name. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's, that's awful. Uh, so it, it stayed that way through most of the 60s. Uh, it didn't change until 68. Um, obviously, they're most well known for all of their stop motion. Uh, they mm-hmm. had done other animation as well. And uh, particularly what their particular style, which I think we could all recognize based on the, the many specials that we've watched called Animagic, where they would yep. lay, lay the cell animation over the, the stop motion. Um, but what something I didn't know was that almost all of the animation that they actually did was outsourced over to Japan. Almost yep. nothing was done here. Only I think huh. one of the films was done in Canada, but the rest of it had all been produced. See, uh, I did not know that. Yep. Yeah, wow. that surprised me as well. That's kind of disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the the main uh, uh, a person that they had used over there, and I'm I, I'm probably terrible at pronouncing Japanese names, so I apologize. But uh, Tadahito uh, Mo. Kinaga, I think is how you sure. pronounce it. Sure, we'll go with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, they used several studios, uh, including one that they used uh, quite a bit called Topcraft, uh, which is specifically important because uh, several high members of Topcraft went on to uh, to basically found uh, Hayao Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli. Oh, so right. Without mm. the work that they got, I mean, I, I don't want to say that they are thankful to Rankin and Bass for their careers because let's be honest, they're amazing and they would have had great careers anyway. Right. But um, I just thought that was a really interesting connection. Awesome. So they started with a bunch of, uh, I don't want to say boring, but very forgettable movies in the 60s. I think <laughs> they started with The New Adventures of Pinocchio. Uh, they did a couple versions of The Wizard of Oz. Um, didn't really have a whole lot of success until Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Nice. Uh, 
won't get too into that because obviously we're going to talk about that later. But right. this is where they really started to show where they shined because the animation being Japanese, they still absolutely knocked it out of the park with their voice talent. Yep. Yes. Burl Ives just sounds like Christmas to me. And mm-hmm. always, <laughs> yeah. always. Uh, and, and as their their careers went on, they did several with uh, Danny Kay, with Fred Astaire uh, as voices. So mm-hmm. I think that's really the ones that that stand out. Um, and in my opinion, the year without Santa Claus, uh, Mickey Rooney's Santa Claus is amazing. I think it was absolutely, uh, perfect casting for that. <laughs> All right. So, um, they went on, uh, they did several more Christmas movies. Obviously I found out they also did a Hobbit and a return of yes. the King. They yes. Did. Amazing. Which are amazing versions. Yep. Yes. yes. I, they only did Return of the King, though, which was a little weird. I know, <laughs> right? They didn't get the rights to the first two. Yep. So they just jumped straight to number three. Uh, but yeah, they did basically uh, shutter their doors in 87. They did a couple partnerships, but their last one was Santa Baby in 2001, and nobody's heard anything with them since. So, man, mm. they, they I'm going to have to look that up because I don't even remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For a reason. Good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, I'll start with you, Andrew. Do you have a favorite Rankin and Bass special? I mean, I know it seems like the easy answer, but I, it, it's got to be Rudolph. Uh, okay. I think yep. it's, it's perfect. I love it. All yep. right. All right. Scott, favorite Rankin and Bass? Ooh. Um, the, uh. <laughs> 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 um, it, the favorite is probably Rudolph. I think it's it's interesting to see how many of these specials they did. I actually looked in to see um, like, why didn't they do this for other holidays? Why isn't there like a Rankin and Bass Halloween special? And there was mad monster party. Oh yeah. Uh, it is weird. I've tried to watch it several <laughs> times and it just can't take off, but um, yeah, I, I think Rudolph cements it. Um, mm. There's, there's so many iconic things about it and everything else is kind of following the example that that one's at. All right. You, David, I'm going to make it I'm, three in a row. I've got to go sure. with the easy answer. Uh, it's it's Rudolph. I mean, it, it, there's a reason why this put them back on the map as a company, uh, because Rudolph was so successful for them. So, yeah, I have to go with Rudolph. Okay, so I'm going to be different because I'm really good Ooh. at that. Um, my favorite is actually The Year Without a Santa Claus. Um, and part of it is actually uh, what Andrew said about uh, uh, Rooney being Santa. Uh, I love the Miser Brothers. They're hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's like I love they their are. songs. Uh, I like the idea of, you know, Santa kind of gets fed up. There's no Christmas spirit. Nobody cares. And, you know, it, he, you know, cause like so many of us have to get up and do our job every day and mm-hmm. you have to convince ourselves to get out of bed, whatever. Hmm. And, you know, so many other times and so many other iterations of Santa, he's always so excited. And so, yay, I can't wait to do this. And we finally got one that was like, you know what? I'm going back to bed, you know, and I, and I, and I kind of like relatable. That. Yeah. And I like that. And I liked how, uh, you know, you had the two, you know, ridiculous elves. And then of course, you know, Mrs. Claus, you know, saves the day. And I liked the characters, I liked the story in that one a little bit more. Um, I like when they go to South town and they make mm-hmm. it snow. And it's like, it, in my mind, that's kind of a Christmas miracle in a way. And <laughs> so I actually, I'm going to lean on that one and say the year without a Santa Claus is my favorite ranking of best. So fair enough. You know? Well, and that one kind of redeems Santa Claus a bit because he's not really too nice in Rudolph. No. Yes. Thank you. I was going to bring that up. So thank you. <laughs> the guy's a jerk in it, man. Oh, it man. is. Everybody. Right. 
David, you have a history of Rudolph prepared for us. At least I hope so. I sure do. <laughs> okay, cool. So in order to, to talk about Rudolph, we're going to get in our time machines here. We're going to have to go back to the uh, 1930s uh, when, when Rudolph gets his start. So back in the 1920s and 30s, there was a company uh, known as, as Montgomery Ward. Every holiday season, every Christmas, they would uh, give out like coloring books uh, or some kind of gimmick to, to their uh, people who would come to their stores. So in every year, they would purchase that product or the coloring book, whatever, from, a, uh, from somebody else. And then they would give that out. Well, obviously, cost was starting to rise and they wanted to save some money. So they figured, why don't we create something that we're going to own that we can, you know, give to our customers? Uh, fortunately for them, uh, Robert May worked, was working for them. Uh, he was a Chicago copywriter. So he was known in his department, actually, for uh, limericks and children's stories that he created. So they went to him and said, hey, could you create you know, a, a coloring book or something for us that we can give away? We basically want a – it has to have a story, and we want it to have an animal. So uh, that year that he started working on this, he lost his wife to cancer, oh, and, he took, yeah, and he took his wife – I mean his uh, daughter – to the Lincoln Park Zoo, and she absolutely loved the deer. So he got his idea, like, okay, well, I'm going to create my main character as a deer. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, he loved the Ugly Duckling story because when he was a little kid, uh, he got picked on, and, you know, he felt like he wanted to be the person who overcomes, and that's the story of Rudolph that he created uh, for this, for the, the coloring book that he was going to give Montgomery Ward to give out. So um, he basically got it done. And in 1939, Montgomery Ward gave out the coloring book to their customers. And it was so successful that they gave out 2.4 million copies that year. Wow. That is gigantic that is, for that, that time. Huge. Whoa. Yeah. Um, that's physical copies, people. That's not digital. They didn't have that back then. <laughs> <laughs> that's 2.4 million copies, physical copies that they gave out. The wow. only thing that slowed it up was there was restriction on paper because of World War II. Oh yeah, that okay. they had to slow up in it. But once World War II was over and the restriction went away, uh, they brought it back out, and it was even more successful after the war. Jeez. So the, the 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 funny story is the how how fate seems to work. Uh, so Robert May created uh, the story of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, but as we know, Johnny Marks did the song Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Well, Johnny Marks happened to marry into uh, Robert May's uh, family. <laughs> And yeah, it's funny how that works. But um, he basically saw the story that he was creating and started jotting down notes on a song that he wanted to create for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So he got it all together and was very happy with what he created. So he went to Gene Autry and said, hey, would you put this on your album? Gene Autry was kind of like back a little bit like, "Eh, I don't know if I want to do this or not. But he did do it and very thankful that he did do it because it became the second best song behind White Christmas. Wow. Oh, so successful mm. for him, too. Well, so yeah. not only do you have this successful story, now you have a successful uh, song. So obviously, what's the next step that we need? <laughs> we need a film. We need a cartoon. We need something. So Rankin and Bass obviously jumped in on this and decided that they wanted to do an animation uh, for this. And in the mid, well, early 1960s, uh, they took Johnny Mark's song, uh, his inspiration, and uh, Robert May's uh, story and started putting together this um, movie. Uh, so all the voices, except for Burl Ives, who voiced Sam the Snowman, was recorded by Canadian actors, uh, such as Larry Mann as Yukon Cornelius and Billy Mae Richards as Rudolph. 
Uh, they would use stop motion animation, which was the Animagic that they used. Um, they created by using puppets. They had over 200 of them just for Rudolph. Uh, the puppets were very small with Rudolph measuring about four inches. The abominable snow monster, who we all know as Bumble because Bumble's bounce. Right. Um, he was 14 inches tall. So he was obviously the biggest of all of them. Uh, production of Rudolph took place in Japan. As uh, Andrew mentioned, it lasted about 18 months. The show would expand of, on May's books and Mark's song, adding much more content on Rudolph. It would also add stories for Yukon, for Bumble, and Hermie because uh, he wanted to be a dentist. And it would add the Island of Misfit Toys, uh, as we would know. Um, as we mentioned, Rankin and Birth brought Burl Ives in uh, to voice Sam. And they obviously designed the snowman to look like Burl Ives. Uh, because obviously, you yep, know, absolutely. You know, uh, the special was broadcast on NBC from its premiere in 1964 up to 71. Again, very, very successful for them. And CBS acquired it in 1972, and they still own it to this day. Yeah, it's the world's best, longest running, and highest rated television special of all time. On Sunday, December 4th, Burl Ives again tells the exciting new story of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer on the General Electric Fantasy Hour. The date. Sunday, December 4th. Join Rudolph in a trip to the Island of Misfit Toys. Meet Yukon Cornelius, the funniest prospector of the North. Gad, Zeus, the bumper snow monster of the North strikes again. Meet Santa's elves and hear seven original Christmas songs. Burl sings... Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. It's a holly jolly Christmas special for the entire family. Don't miss Rudolph, Sunday, December 4th, in color on most of these stations. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so with that, Scott, uh, about Rudolph... Um, what do you like and what don't you like? I'm going to give you two at once. Oh, um, I think what I like the most about it is, um, and this is going to date the hell out of me, but eh, whatever. Um, <laughs> the, the view master animation style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I used to love, I could look at those view master things for hours where it had like the, um, Cause you have that depth, you have that dimension, but they had the actual like uh, uh, maquettes mm-hmm. kind of in there and those kind mm-hmm. of solid scenes. And this was animating it. And there's something about like, it feels like you could reach into the screen and grab any one of these characters uh, that, that kind of that aesthetic is just unmistakable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the way that draws you in. Like even today I'm, I'm watching it with my, uh, with my eight-year-old and it still just draws me into that world Yep. Uh, with the way that they do that. Um, I think some of the songs mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> bug me, um, <laughs> That's my big which one. is, which is <laughs> neck and neck with, um, neck and neck with the personalities of mm-hmm. just everybody that seems to go to the, you know, they took lessons from Lucy and Charlie Brown. Like everybody's just a jerk. Like what is wrong with you guys? Yeah. I, I could, I could live without some of the the songs that go on a little bit too long. And, and I wish that it wasn't everybody ragging on Rudolph, but that makes like, it's like high school. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So uh, David, uh, something you like, something you don't like. 
I, I clearly like the the story of Rudolph with the him being a misfit, and mm-hmm. we talked about this previously. Why yep. I'm so connected to this story, uh, which I why I give it like these my second favorite holiday film of all time is because of that message uh, that this film has. So that's the biggest one for me. Um, yes, everybody is a jerk to Rudolph, <laughs> and but I, I like the fact, and that's why uh, Robert Mays created uh, Rudolph uh, was because he he like himself felt like the ugly duckling when he was a little kid. Um, he was the underdog, and that's why he created Rudolph to be this underdog who was picked on people, and in the end, he's the one that came out on top. Right. So that's what attracts me to the story so much. So that's what I like about it most. Um, what I don't like about it, pretty much what Scott says, as we talk about the Grinch has cut all the fat out, there's a little bit of fat in Rudolph that could be cut out. And I think some of the songs could have been left out and shortened the film up a little bit. All right. I agree. All right. Well, what about you, Andrew? Like and don't like? Uh, one of the things that I, that stands out about this, and David took some of uh, my answer here in the the, the message of misfits, um, but it kind of leads into the the thing that I love most is how many iconic characters this one created. Mm-hmm. I think most Christmas movies create one good character and then lean on them, or they really lean on Santa Claus or or, or Rudolph or existing characters. And I mean, Yukon Cornelius. Uh, I mean, you've got uh, all the misfit toys. I've always got a Charlie in the box under my tree. Like I love them. <laughs> yep. um, the Bumble. It, there's so many characters that are new and only really apply to this, but each one really feeds into that message. Um, and and I love it. Like the idea of a, a, an elf that wants to be a dentist is actually an oddly great message for kids. It's it is do what you want to do. Like that's okay. That the world needs that too. And uh, it, it's it's set up in such a way that I think is what makes it so timeless. But uh, yeah, I got to say that it, there are several parts of this that I watch it. I'm like, I don't remember this part being this boring or this slow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think that that's what it is. It, it, all the great things in it, there's a lot that could have been cut. You could have probably mm-hmm. chopped off about 15 to 20% of this movie and gotten a better product, in my opinion. It is right. interesting how like the the misfit message, I guess it's there in the core song. Mm-hmm. Right. But you also don't quite get the angle that you're supposed to kind of empathize with him and say like, um, you know, all of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names, but this one gets so much more of that drawn out. I'm glad yep. that they took that angle. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And the theme comes up in a lot of ways that aren't really like focused on. Uh, one of my absolute favorites is uh, Yukon Cornelius sled is pulled by all these different little dogs that have no business pulling a sled you know, a <laughs> and, and, and all this stuff. And, you know, they never mention it. Nobody even acknowledges it, but it just feeds more into that theme. Yep. Right. Yep. All right. So is this the first of all, is this like the granddaddy of all the holiday specials? Because when I was looking into Grinch and it seems to have that timeline of like, you think about what are the iconic holiday specials and you've got this Charlie Brown, um, Rudolph, obviously, Grinch and all this other kind of stuff. And it seems like Rudolph came first. Is that I, right? I, or were there- yeah, I, I think you're right. Because I, I think uh, Grinch was 66, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah and I think everything, I, all the other Rankin and Bass Christmas specials came after that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, Rankin think- and Bass changed their whole model because of Rudolph. Up to that point, yep. they've been kind of struggling to get by. And this happens, this huge special drops in their lap. And basically, after that, they only did holiday specials. That's all they cared about. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's get to some, uh, favorite stuff. So we're gonna start with you, Andrew, you have a favorite character, uh, favorite song. 
Ooh, that's that's tough. Um, I love so many of the characters in this. Uh, as I said, I think I don't know why, but I always loved Charlie in the Box as a kid. Right. So you know, I've got a lot of toys of him and ornaments of him. Um, partly because it's just there's nothing wrong with him. He's perfectly fine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, right. All the other toys are actually problematic. He's no, he's fine. Um, but I, I think as I've grown up, I really like Yukon Cornelius. He's yeah. just so much fun. Right. Mm-hmm. You have a favorite song? I know you guys kind of complained about some of the songs, so that might not be the case. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't care much about anything. I like silver and gold. Um, I think it's fun. It's simple. It's catchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the songs aren't really what does it for me. So, okay. but silver and gold, if, you know, if I had to pick. All right. All right. All right, Scott, how about you? Favorite character, favorite song? It's- it's because of the beard, Andrew. That's why you like him so much. Of the yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. yeah, I'm actually right there with you. Uh, for me, it's uh, it's Yukon Cornelius. Um, the way he flips the pickaxe mm-hmm. and yes. uh, licks yes. it to taste it. It's just there's so much personality in just those little things. Um, silver and gold is like you know that's um, that's a, a slice of turkey with a liquid Benadryl chaser. It's just so like. Uh, um, but it's so it's so unique to that and it kind of you know um brings out his, his character so much more um although i will say you know the the snowman in the beginning um i thought his name was leon and i was like what is his name no it, it's sam okay <laughs> sam. that's all right leon is an elf that's fine but um i just love the way that the snowman kind of moves around through kind of like swishing his his yep. bottom sphere whatever you want to call it but right yeah. right Okay. All right. So David, you favorite character, favorite song? Uh, Rudolph is going to obviously be my favorite. I, I think that might be the easy answer, but I, I just love Rudolph uh, because of all the crap that he has to go through. Um, but second, very, very close is Yukon. I, I have to agree right. with okay. you guys. Yukon is awesome. Um, and my favorite song is obviously would be Silver and Gold. Um, the, the, the jingle, jingle, jingle that Santa Claus sings is kind of catchy, but I, we could have done without that song, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, it could be a little suggestive if you take it the wrong way. So. I think I want to change my answer. I don't want to give UConn all the. I, I was. See, I was going to say UConn too. It could have been you know four for four. You know, trifecta. Somebody's got to give Hermes some love. I, oh I, yeah, he is. It, it's such an important character for kids, and he's so unique. Um, and I, I'm honestly like watching it now as an adult. I'm like looking at like. Did, did they make a gay character and just not tell anyone? And I love that about him that yeah. in the sixties, yeah. just it's cool. Don't just don't mention it. And it's fine. Um, but I, I, I love Hermie and I think that he's, he's half the reason that this movie works. So yeah. See, well, Andrew, Andrew and I now can be independent together. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's the thing. See, actually my, I think one of my favorite songs is we're a couple of misfits because um, just with the overall, uh, story you know the theme throughout this special like we mentioned a couple times is you know it's okay to for an elf to be a dentist it's okay that you know rudolph has you know a red nose and these things all make them individuals and and so i I, that song really kind of resonates with me Mm -hmm. and um i just and yukon's just hilarious so i I, if i had Mm -hmm. i'm picking him as my favorite but um and go back to we mentioned earlier as far as dislikes it the more I watch it, especially as I got older, it really does surprise me how nasty everybody was. It's I'm thinking, oh, my, you know, it's like when you're a kid, you don't really think about it too much. But then as you get older, you're like, is this really what Santa's like? He's kind of a jerk. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's I, it's 
Well, he's like so here he, he sees him he sees Rudolph for the first time. I'm like, oh, you know, he's well, he's useless, you know, too bad. Like, because he's got a red nose, he can't. It's like, man, right. Right? Yep. it's like, hey Santa, yeah. you're fat, you know, come on. <laughs> you know, it's like you got bet, you got a bet, you know, you're not perfect either, dude. Lighten up, you know, be nice to the guy, you know. Jeez. Well, especially in that scene, like Rudolph is being picked on by his mom and, and his dad yeah, for right? not being perfect and then it's like oh wait hold on the star of the show the boss is coming in everything will be fine at santa nope well nope. maybe you can fix it before you get on because if you want to be on my team you have to be perfect and it's kind of like no i don't want that santa right you can take me off your list that's fine i'll go with the year without a santa claus santa right and well and it kind of it saves it a little bit when uh, he meets clarice because she doesn't care Right. And that's what, and that's one of the things, and we actually have a plush Clarice too, but, um, she, you know, she's kind of the, she's the nice counterbalance to the rest of the deer, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, and, yeah. and it's like Hermie is the, is the good elf, you know, and we have, I almost like Yukon is kind of the good Santa, you know, he has a similar look, but he's, he's like, I don't care what you look like or what you do. Come on, be your friend. So it's like, if you really kind of break it down, you have you know, yeah, all the reindeer are nasty except for the Carice. You, you know, Santa's kind of a jerk, but Yukon's nice. So they did they they gave us a little bit of balance, but at times it just seems like I just feel so sorry for mm-hmm. Hermie and, and Rudolph and stuff. So anyway, moving on. Is there anything else we want to that we don't like except for Santa? <laughs> uh, well, one of one of the songs that's like a particular kind of earworm is that uh we are Santa's elves. Mm-hmm. That yeah. song that they sing in the chorus and the that hated scene. Terrible. Oh my so they sing it pitch perfect. Like it sounds to me like it's this, you know, this orchestrated choir and they've been rehearsing for years and they belt it out perfectly and they're all ripping on it. Like yeah. that was terrible, right? <laughs> it's See, not what? worthy. And it's kind of like Good God, this is the most high-stress environment <laughs> in the world. I'm starting to think all these, these all everybody's in charge worked retail before they became an elf. Yep. I mean, <laughs> elf turnover has to be horrible. Right? <laughs> um, note before we move on, I do want to mention one thing. So yep. in the original animated that Rankin and Bass did, uh, they do not go back to the Misfits of Toys and pick them up. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, apparently, that was so like all the kids were upset about that that they sent in letters that they had to animate a short to show Santa going and picking them up to 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 uh, soothe over all the kids. Wow. Yeah, that's a Good. that's a brutal ending without that. I know. Right? Left them there. It's fine. It's like power to the kids. Power <laughs> to the kids. Yeah, you you, uh, you you create these these characters, these misfits characters, these toys, and. I mean, and nothing happens to him. That's just, that's horrible. Yeah. I, I read that too. And I, I'm like thinking, I think I would have been upset too. I think I would have, you know, sent a letter, you know, and yep. God, that's just, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Two letters, one to the animation studio and the other one to Santa to say like, dear Santa, why were you such a jerk to Rudolph? Right. <laughs> There's this Island and you just left them there. Yeah. Right. Check your naughty well, list. You might be on it. So I just, I just think it's funny that, you know, uh, it's like Santa didn't care about Rudolph till he needed his nose to get around. I'm like, man. Yeah. Wow. So it's like, you're checking my list. You're going to judge me on whether I'm good or not. <laughs> Whatever. I, I, I don't, I'm not getting any coal, buddy. All right. <laughs> right. So we know uh, that the animation for Rudolph, the whole look would mm-hmm. directly inspired the art direction for elf. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
Um, and we know that, like you even mentioned, that uh, animators are kind of copying um, some of what they did with Chuck Jones and stuff. So my question to you guys, which animation style, the Grinch, Chuck Jones, or Rankin and Bass, which mm. brings across the Christmas feeling more? I'm going to start with Scott. Yeah, I have got to say, with all respect to Chuck Jones, and as mm-hmm. much love as I have for that, um, what is most iconically Christmas is Rankin Bass because okay. for a long time, I hadn't seen that animation style applied any place else in the world, except for these holiday specials, starting with Rudolph. And it's interesting. There's the, that Montgomery Ward connection, because I remember as a kid, I would love to walk the, uh, the streets and see like the display windows where they'd have the kind of like animated scenes, right? Like the, the animated figures and whatnot. So it was almost kind of like you have an entire holiday special where they've brought all those store window animated figures to life. So it really does identify with that uh, the most. So, I mean, I think that's the animation style that speaks Christmas to me. Mm-hmm. All right. How about you, David? Uh, same thing. No, I'll respect to Chuck Jones, but uh, the Grinch is your typical animated cartoon uh, that you would see, you know, in a lot of places. But when you look at Rudolph, that sets the tone. When you see it, you're like, oh, it's Christmas time. There is no doubt yeah. it's Christmas time. Right, right. You know, and there, there's, there's no doubt. When I was a kid, when I saw Rudolph, I knew it was that time of the year. I was excited when it was advertised, it was coming on. It was a big event. Right. So, um, absolutely. you know, ab- absolutely. Rudolph. And there's a reason why Elf copied uh, the, the stuff from, from Rudolph is because it sets the tone of Christmas. Right. All right. Yeah. Andrew, you going to make it three for three? Absolutely. Um, I, you know, the Grinch is, is Chuck Jones and it's, uh, it's Dr. Seuss and both of them are absolutely iconic, but they're not iconic for Christmas. You know, I don't think of Christmas when I see the cat in the hat. I don't think of Christmas when I see Tom and Jerry, but if I see any stop motion, especially anything, even Rankin and Bass movies that have absolutely nothing to do with Christmas, it kind of just feels like Christmas because they've entrenched that so deeply. Mm-hmm. I, I even think that's part of the reason why the Nightmare Before Christmas worked as a full-length stop motion is we associate that style, even though it's obviously much more Tim Burton heavy, <laughs> with just stop motion being Christmas. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's move on to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about um, a couple of songs. Mm-hmm. So you have You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, and uh, we're a couple of misfits. Which song better tells the story of what the special is about. Uh, Andrew. I got to give points to Rudolph again. Uh, I think we're a couple of misfits tells the, the, the meaning of the special really clearly in in, in a way that's really relatable. Having said that you're a meme on Mr. Grinch is a way better song. (laughs) (laughs) I I look forward to hearing it. I hear covers of it and I'm like, cool. I want to hear what they're doing with this one. Like, I, I love that song. I sing along every time. Mm-hmm. We're a couple of misfits. Is it's fine. It's okay. Okay. All right. What about you, Scott? Yeah. Same. Same answer. Basically, uh, <laughs> better song goes to Ravenscroft with "You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch," but um, it feels like it. It. It doesn't necessarily need to uh, be there to bring out the rest of the story. You pretty much get how rotten he is without having to hear like the different ways that it happens or the different ways to characterize it. Um, whereas we're a couple of misfits helps to kind of shine a light on that kind of idea and bring out some of the, um, the things that make them feel like misfits in, in different kind of ways. 
now that being said, same answer as Andrew. <laughs> the one that I want to hear is that Ravenscroft, you know, that Ravenscroft purr that he does. Right. Right. Okay, David, you gonna make it three for three? I am not gonna make it three for Ooh. three. Ooh, I love it when it's different. Um I I I I don't want to disrespect my Rudolph because I love it so much. But how the Grinch stole Christmas the, the song, I think speaks volume to that. And it's when I hear it, I, I know that story and I want to see that story. So I'm going with the Grinch. Oh, okay. Sounds good to me. Uh, now uh, the Rudolph song, I know uh, we've talked about a little bit. Um, and with all these, these songs, especially like the big ones, the Grinch and uh, Rudolph, the Red Reindeer, a lot of different versions are done every year. Mm-hmm. And I got to say that as far as the Rudolph song goes, uh, Brian Setzer does a great Great, the Brian Setzer Orchestra does a great version of that, and and that's that's one of the songs you think you can't mess up. But I've heard a few that are, you know, pretty awful. But <laughs> just <laughs> I just wanted to mention that because I, every Christmas I go through all three of his uh, Christmas records, and that one always seems to stick out because it's it it's just it's just a lot of fun. But anyway, um, so okay, uh, I think uh, where a couple of misfits is just uh, I want to agree with the two of you that is. It says a lot more, but yeah, it's not one I'm going to, I don't have it on a playlist anywhere, but I do have the Grinch <laughs> on a playlist. Yep. So, all right. So mostly in agreement, but that's okay. I like, yep. you know, different opinions. Okay. So um, we've talked about how the Grinch stole Christmas was basically written uh, examining commercialism of the holiday. And we've talked about how Rudolph is basically uh, telling kids it's okay to be who you are and how Bullying is a horrible thing. So which special um, conveys a better message? Uh, Andrew, start with you. Um, I think Rudolph does a better job of conveying its message. (laughs) I don't necessarily think its message is particularly timely to Christmas. Um, And so I think I'm going to give points to the Grinch on this one. Um, I, I think the things I love about the Grinch are more just that it's fun and the animation and the characters but in reality, the message at the end of, you know, this, this dude hates Christmas. He hates commercialism. He hates, you know, all this stuff because of all the things that in reality, we all kind of hate about Christmas. Um, and so at the end, when he realizes you can still like the, the thing that's good about Christmas isn't that crap. Um, I think that message hits home a lot more and is really timely for Christmas. It's still relevant. And I think it will be relevant for a long, long time. I am happy to say that a lot of these stores that were open on like Thanksgiving day for, you know, a long time in recent years have said, no, we're not going to do that anymore. Mm. We're going to let people spend time with their family. So yeah, maybe, maybe we're turning a corner, but I don't think so. <laughs> maybe just a couple more versions of, of the Grinch and a couple right. more versions of Christmas Carol and we'll learn. <laughs> right. Right. All right. So David, which one conveys the, a better message? Um, so if it's, if it's Christmas that we're talking about, probably Grinch, but I'm going, I'm going to go with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on this. Um, same reason we talked about in the podcast where we were talking about our top seven Mm -hmm. holiday films. Um, I, I am connected to Rudolph so much. Um, just to mention again, you know, I've got a prosthetic leg, so I was picked on when I was a kid. I was a misfit when I was a kid. So that's why I attached myself so much to the Rudolph story when it came on every Christmas. And again, we didn't really have this on video. And when we were really little kids, right. we didn't get that till like, you know, late eighties or early nineties or whatever. But um, 
Yeah, I, I feel the message, even though everybody was mean to Rudolph, I, I still feel like the message is there that says, hey, I don't care if you're different. Uh, even when they visit the islands of Misfit Toys, um, you know, that, that could that could be me, you know, that I could be Charlie in the box, I could, which is there's nothing wrong with him. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, 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 was, that was me as a, as a kid. So, I mean, you know, when, when I saw that coming on screen, I'm like, holy crap. I said, you know, is this is this speaking to me? You know, and it did. And, and you know, when I went back to school, I, I felt like a different kid, you know, even though the crap still didn't change, um, <laughs> you know, but it, it still it gave me a, a, a different step, you know, when I would walk around because of Rudolph. It may sound silly. I, I know, but I, I feel the message in Rudolph was better. All right. What about you, Scott? No, I, I, I definitely relate to that. Um, yeah. Knowing that, you know, um, <laughs> There are certain features about me that were that were picked on uh, quite a bit, and that would just stick with me every time his nose would light up. It was kind of like, yeah, I feel that difference. And everybody, it feels like the the thing that um, it's the only thing that everybody sees, and uh, the the thing that they can't look past. And so, being that message being infused into a Christmas story uh, is is so important, and and I'm glad that they did. To me, the one that that steals the show, it, it's a tough call because I hate to say it, but I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of leading Grinch just because, uh, specifically the scene where his heart grows three sizes. Yeah, that's a good plus one. two, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. The way that it's animated and seeing his emotional turn, um, I think draws the audience into that moment of empathy to kind of think about like those times when you're letting all the the crap around the holiday darken it those times when it's it's making you kind of you know bitter and cold and turn inward a little bit more to kind of find that moment that turns it around and uh, and lets him be a, a good a good dad to max <laughs> be good to max right right okay all right yeah it's a little side note, there is a great uh, one of the Animaniacs holiday specials. Uh, I, I I struggle to find it on on YouTube or whatever, but I remember it from the days of Suncoast, of course. Um, <laughs> and it was uh, it showed this family that was live, you know, they're homeless living in the car or whatever. And the dad uh, finds this toy that was discarded by somebody else. And he wraps it in a little you know, paper he found on the street and gives it to his son. His son is so thrilled that he got anything for Christmas. And I, as, as much as I am a big fan of people being the individual and leaving them alone, let them be who they are. um, I think so much of that gets confused when, you know, you, people lose sight of what is important and being with family and friends. And there's a lot of people out there. They don't have, a lot. And so they get even more lost in the Christmas shuffle. And mm-hmm. so I think it's, you know, if people could just realize what's important, then, you know, I think the whole misfit thing also gets taken care of as well. So I'm going to go with the Grinch just because um, I think it cures both ills. Um, if everybody realizes it's more important than what you buy at a store. So anyway, so I'm going to move on to some fun questions uh, we got a little serious there for a few minutes we did <laughs> and that's okay because you know we're intellectuals we can do that right sure yep. okay so um this is just first one you know anybody can speak up uh you have the grinch and you have rudolph who has the better cave 
I mean, the Grinch, hands down. <laughs> it, it has to be the Grinch. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. He's got all the stuff. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's got it decked out. That's that's a right? place I want to hang out. And apparently, and apparently, you can build a sleigh in there too, and everything else. So, yeah. he's, got, he's got his nice little like arts and crafts, like right. sewing kit. Right. This is great. Okay. All right. So, uh, where would you rather live in Whoville or the North, North Pole? Whoville. I don't want to be around them jerks. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> in North Pole. Yeah. <laughs> North Pole's full of <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think I'm, I mean, okay. Are we talking pre or post <laughs> the events of Rudolph? Because I feel like there's a positive turn because honestly, Whoville would annoy the hell out of me. <laughs> so Thacker and sweet. It's, it's grating. I think I might hang out with the Grinch and be like, I get it, man. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, let's go, let's flash back a few years when we were like in our first apartments. Okay. And we need a roommate. So you're interviewing people and the head elf shows up and the Grinch show up. Who are you letting room move in with you? Grinch. At least he would be funnier. I mean, the head elf was just the guy with the goatee, right? right like, yeah. The one that yells everything is stupid and you're doing everything wrong. It's like, he'd just be ragging on everything all the time where at least the Grinch would be entertaining and funny about it. Right. And he would so, have Max, right? He'd, he'd be the yeah. Randall in that, in that situation. He'd be Randall all the time. <laughs> I, I pictured the Grinch is the, the roommate that stays in his room all the time. And you, you only yep. see him when you absolutely have to, and it's unpleasant, but it's few and far between. So it's okay. I can handle that. As long as he uh, pays his part said. of the rent, right? As long as, yeah, and as, long as I get to hang out with Max sometimes, then we're good. <laughs> He'd be like Laszlo in Real Genius. He'd just kind of <laughs> exactly. look at you, walk into the closet, and disappear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, in both the book and in the special with the Grinch, there are some theories as to why he is so angry. Why is the Grinch so pissed off? Anybody want to truly have a theory? Because I have one. It's kind of dark. So, I'll let you guys go first. Hmm. I mean, I think, there, there's the obvious version of he's green and hairy and nobody else is. So, I mean, I think both of these have it. It does not take a lot of digging to find a racism allegory. I mean, he's well, true. He, he looks wildly different than all the rest of the people. And he's been shunned and he's been talked down to. And he just got fed up with it. Can I can I say it? He's a misfit. <laughs> <laughs> nobody was a Charlie of the box. <laughs> Well, my question is, was he shunned first or was he shunned after he became a jerk? Mm. That's the real question. See, my theory is he hates Christmas so much. It's not necessarily that he hates the Who's, but he hates Christmas. So I think something horrible happened to him at Christmas. And I'm going to bring up um, Gremlins and Phoebe Cates' character. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that his his parent, his dad died in the chimney. I'm just saying I think his parents, because they they're not even mentioned. They're not even referenced. He had to come from somewhere. I think his parents died at Christmas. And I think ever since then, he's just been, I don't have anything to do with that. I'm going to stay up on my hill and have to listen to these who's sing about Christmas. And because they never really explain, you know, why that he was shunned. I mean, he's just up there. Maybe he was a, maybe he's just a jerk and that's why they didn't like him. And, mm. you know, but I, like I said, I was kind of dark and I like, there had to be a reason and it can't just be his shoes. It can't be his heart. You know, it's, it's got to be something else. Leave a man alone. <laughs> maybe maybe it's a maybe it's a Sousaverse kind of thing, and all the needs from uh, the Lorax 
were being bought up by the Who's and all their obnoxious <laughs> singing. And he just withdrew to the point where he was like, I'll at least have a dog, but the dog doesn't sing. So I'll have a dog. Uh, I think if we, we we've all been tempted to just take a dog and run away and live alone in the woods. And if you haven't, I think you're lying to yourself. Yep. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I tried and I got about three blocks from the house. And I <laughs> so I didn't take the dog though, because you know, no, oh well, all right. So uh, a couple of a little bit more serious questions, which one is the, is the better special and which one do you prefer? Cause sometimes they're not the same. Uh, David, I know your answer. You're going to know my answer. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's Rudolph across the board on this. All one, right. man. All it right. really is. And I've already given my reasons on that. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, Scott. So which one is the better one and which one do we prefer? Yeah. I mean, cause, cause you can always say, well, this is a great movie. It's a wonderful movie, but I would rather watch this kind of a thing. You know, it's like, it cause I know what's, wh- which one goes in first, which one are you going to watch multiple times versus, you know, which one is a better production? Mm, that's a kind of a tough question actually because, <laughs> so um the one that i prefer i would probably have to say the grinch okay uh just because you know some of the songs and the the grading just like uh the way that they treat treat rudolph is kind of hard to watch at first even though you know where it's going it's like good lord you people are so mean so even watching it tonight i was preferring watching the grinch over rudolph but the one that's the better Christmas special is Rudolph. It's so iconic. It set the mm-hmm. tone for, for all the rest to come after it. Uh, and like Dave said, you know, it definitely tells you where you are in the season. Uh, you right. know, it's Christmas when Rudolph comes on. All right, Andrew. Um, I think my answer is going to kind of mirror Scott's, but uh, my reasoning is a little different. Um, I think I've seen both of them so many times throughout my life. It's almost, I really, really sit down with intent to focus and watch them anymore. Like mm. I put them on, okay. but I'm kind of doing other things. I'm, you know, maybe making some food or, or we're decorating the tree. And so it's on in the background. And so I, I think that Rudolph is better. I think it is more iconic. Um, obviously it's produced so many uh, sequels and produced so much. I, I have countless Rudolph uh, figurines around my house. <laughs> year. Yep. But the one that when it comes on, I, I focus and I watch the screen is the Grinch. Um, it's the same way when, when I walk into room and Looney Tunes is on you know, <laughs> I'm in my thirties and I'll still stop and watch for longer than I should. It, it's something about that style just catches my attention and holds mm-hmm. it. So I, I gotta go, Scott. I think Rudolph is better, but the Grinch is my favorite. All right. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's one of those that I, I think it changes um, from year to year. I watch them both and I own both of them. And uh, I think as a kid, though, I looked forward to uh, Rudolph Mm -hmm. a little bit more than the Grinch. Um, So I'm going to go with that just because it's, it reminds me of a simpler, easier time. Um, Yep. I remember a very specific night when we drove out to go get a Christmas tree. And by the time we got home, Rudolph was coming on. So I, for whatever reason, I just remember that I was probably, I was probably 10 or 12 at this point, but I didn't care. I sat down in front of that TV and I watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yep. So Christmas did not start until you saw that commercial that it was coming on. Right. Absolutely. Christmas started then. Yeah. Well, and Rudolph made possible those, the Hobbit and Return of the King animated movies, which are fantastic, <laughs> which can be a conversation for another day. But yep. That's another well, point toward Rudolph. 
Yeah, I mean, the fact it did lead to, you know, you're without a Santa Claus and Santa Claus is coming to town. So, and and, and eventually led to Elf. So, yep. you know, there you go. And right. Last Unicorn. Yes, that's true. My sister would be very mad if I didn't mention Last Unicorn. <laughs> it was an amazing animated movie. So, right. Okay. Any final thoughts from anybody about these two specials? They're both great. Yeah. I, I wish they would kind of do more of them. I'd yeah. like to see that kind of. Um, the Nightmare Before Christmas was fantastic to see that, that kind of dimensional style mm-hmm. um, married with the right kind of story though, because right. there are right. a lot of right. these that come back around and it's kind of that trap of being like, Oh, it, it, it's the same animation style as Rudolph, but the story sucks. Right. Maybe we can get uh John Favreau to, you know, take what he did with uh, elf and do a, and, you know, do a revisit. Cause I think he'd, he'd handle it very well. I think he, he would. would. Absolutely. I would spend some time in that universe. That'd be fantastic. Absolutely, I would <laughs> really, that's very yeah. true. I mean, look what he's done with the Mandalorian too. He, he, mm-hmm. he knows the universes he works in. And he does. It he does. Well, so. Yep. Well, and right. I, to, to that end, I want to say that if you've not seen any of the, the Leica production stop motion, I feel like if anybody's going to take that ball and run with it, I, I, every single time they release a movie, it's, it's, they knock it out of the park and I feel like it doesn't get recognition. Yeah. Uh, yep. Strings blew my mind. And I, uh, Paranorman is like a must watch. Yes. yes, it is. Yes. is so Absolutely. Yep. So I think if anybody's going to be able to take that torch, it's, it's going to be them. Yep. Yeah, and if we're, if we're throwing props, I also have to say Ardman animation studios. Yes. Oh yeah. Curse of the were rabbit is a Halloween so staple. Good. So good. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I love the whole uh, chicken run. I actually have the one sheet from chicken run. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely adore <laughs> that movie. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, David, Scott, Andrew. I appreciate you guys being on and talking with me about these two classic holiday specials. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. And I want to thank uh, all our listeners all around uh, the country and around the world. Um, I check on a regular basis and we keep getting new ones. Uh, and it's awesome to think that uh, I have people in Croatia and Israel and Brazil and uh, more people popping up across the States as well. And like Pennsylvania, Florida, South Carolina, uh, Arizona, it just, it it blows me away that there's so many people out there um, that actually enjoy listening to us ramble on for an hour plus about um, different things. So Thank you so much uh, for listening. If you would do us a favor and get on your favorite podcast uh, service and uh, like, subscribe, uh, leave a review. You can also leave a review on uh, our Facebook page. Send us an email. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, also, uh, you know, give us an idea. And if uh, we use your idea, we'll let you guys know and give you a shout out. And uh, it is the uh, holiday season for many people, like we mentioned. And not everybody... Uh, has a good time around this time of year and they struggle. So reach out to friends, family, uh, people you haven't seen in a while, check out on them, let them know that they are not alone. And to whatever you're celebrating at this time of year, uh, enjoy yourself, take care of each other. And thanks for listening. And let's not forget when it comes down to watching these particular specials or listening to your favorite Christmas music, physical media is always better than streaming. This has been the docking Bay 77 podcast. Opening music provided by Eric Jason Brock. Check him out on YouTube and Bandcamp. If you want to reach out to us on social media, we are on Twitter and Facebook at DockingBay77 Podcast. Or you can send us an email, DockingBay77 Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.